Professors FM. Doug, as you know, we have joined the Professors FM podcast network. So it's extremely exciting. It's like for the first time in my life, I'm going to have academic friends. This is big. And as part of this, we're going to talk about some of the other shows on the network. One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network is called Taxes for the Masses, brought to you by Lisa DeSimone from the University of Texas and Bridget Stomberg from Indiana University. And so what these two ladies do is they dive into all things taxes. I think it's a great compliment to what we do. In some ways, there's nothing bigger in public policy than taxes in terms of shaping the economy and society because taxes change how people behave. So, you know, give it a listen. Great show. Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics podcast with Mike Lewis and Doug Battle. So this morning, uh, and as always, we are taping the day before we air, so on 914 We are seeing, well, you know, to me, Doug, this feels like sports are finally back. Um, Yeah, yeah, there's still there's still some politics, you know, the Chiefs fans uh, booing a little bit at the beginning of the at the beginning of that, the the first NFL game and a little bit of coverage of the kneeling. But for the most part, I feel like we have now gone from a sports environment, which was, let's say, 75% political, 25% sports, to 90% sports with the NFL back in business. But before we get to the NFL, um, it's an amazingly full sports calendar, right? The NBA playoffs, uh, MLB in full swing. So what's, uh, what's sort of top of mind for yourself this morning? Well, first off, I'm incredibly thankful that everything's back. It's amazing to have. NFL, college football, MLB, and NBA playoffs all going on at the same time. Uh, This has never happened before, to the best of my knowledge. And we'll start with uh, the forgotten sport of basketball, right? NFL's been taking all the headlines, and rightfully so. I've been very excited. Okay, but basketball was... It was the main event. It was the main event. (laughs) A few days ago. Yeah, not too long ago was the main event. It was the only event for many sports fans, uh, the non-baseball crowd. And we're getting into the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Like, There's going to be a Game 7 of the quarterfinal um, with the Clippers, Nuggets, and then we'll be in the semifinals, which is when viewership's typically at its highest and and people are most into it. Um, And now viewers are deciding between, am I going to watch Tom Brady uh, or am I going to watch the NBA Western Conference semifinals. So it's a different decision for consumers. My bet is that viewership's just going to be rough for for the NBA. And I think they know that. And this season is kind of a, uh, they're minimizing their losses. They're not, they're not really gaining too much. As the NBA goes on, where do you, what what do you, you know, what are the, what are the storylines that are uh, compelling at this point as the playoffs go? First off, I wanted to mention it. If people listen back um, several weeks, you and I were talking about if the NBA were scripted, 
how would things go? And I said, Celtics Lakers finals. <laughs> it's looking more and more like Celtics Lakers finals. <laughs> uh, tweeted out something yesterday, but it's it's been a little bit of March Madness scenario, or as close as it gets with the NBA with a seven game series format. Um, whereas in the Eastern Conference, the semifinal is going to be the three versus the five seeds. The one and two are both out. The but we tweeted out, uh, Fanalytics tweeted out a poll asking who's going to win the finals before the playoffs started, and the uh, majority said the Bucks. And the team with the second most votes was the Clippers, and they are facing an elimination game seven on Tuesday. Clippers Lakers, I think, would be a pretty huge storyline if if those two are in the Western Conference Finals. If the Nuggets are to win um, against the Clippers, I don't think anyone's going to give them a chance against the Lakers. I think it's just going to be more of the can the Heat pull the upset, make the finals, but probably not. And then it's going to be the Lakers Celtics. I feel like is is at this point what it's all building toward. But I will say, Mike, your original prediction um, slash presumption that it was going to be Bucks with Giannis versus Lakers with LeBron. This is boring. We already see it coming. <laughs> um, it's actually not going to happen that way. Uh, very fair. And, and you know, it's, uh, and look, the, in some ways this is a compliment to the NBA. The NBA is very good at almost making it look scripted in hindsight. <laughs> you know, LeBron is the king. He's the focal point for the league. He's on, you know, he, he's the face of the league. And so this almost starts to look like, well, now maybe what we'll do is we'll have a series of opponents. I mean, it, it kind of it's reminiscent of the the Jordan era, right, mm-hmm. where he had to defeat Barkley once, and he had to defeat uh, Malone and Stockton once. And um, but but you know you're right. And look, it's a great example of this notion of hindsight bias of oh yeah, this was obvious. Um, yeah, look, I, I totally thought uh, it was Milwaukee was on the the upswing, but it does feel like well, you know, the NBA is almost like playing auditions. I still and look, this is this is just me. I'm a bit, and I never thought I would say this. I find myself a big Clippers fan at this point in terms of the sort of the underappreciated storyline and while he gets a ton of attention, sort of an unappreciated player in Leonard. Clippers are in an interesting position because Leonard could potentially win his third finals with three different teams, which has never been done before. Um, I mean, they they can make history. They could cement themselves as the Los Angeles team for the modern era uh, with a championship. But <laughs> No. <laughs> but... But six championships, maybe for the modern era. But with um, and by that, I mean this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, if they go lose game seven, I mean, people were talking about Doc Rivers could be fired. They were up 3 1 in this series. They've underperformed historically um, under him as far as their expectations. I remember the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan years. There were some years where they were expected to make the finals, didn't even come close. So this year, it feels like it's a make-or-break year for them. Uh, that Game 7, again, is on Tuesday against the Nuggets. Play with a lot of heart. As did, by the way, that that uh, Raptors-Celtics series lived up to my expectations as far as great basketball. Got a Game 7 out of it. It was fun. Um, so that's, that's basketball right now. Um, but, again, basketball really hasn't been in the spotlight. It's kind of the forgotten storyline right now. Yeah, it, it, but I, I mean, I think it'll drop, it'll pop back up, but it, it's almost assumed its natural place in the sports 
pecking order, which is all uh, NFL dominated. It's been this way for a long time. Um, it will be, it's almost more natural, like that the interest and the storylines will heat up as we get closer to the closer to the championship uh to the championship series i still i feel like a lakers celtics i feel like if that's what happens it feels exciting because it's lakers celtics but i mean the celtics two best players are in their early 20 i mean they're my age um and i i don't think they have the star power or the I don't feel like it feels like that big of a test for LeBron. He's got to go beat some some youngsters, and I feel like it'll still be a little bit forgotten to the NFL regular season, which is crazy. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I, what, whatever the betting odds are, if it ends up being Lakers, Celtics, it will feel like an overwhelming uh, – that the Lakers are overwhelming fa- favorites. It just doesn't seem that uh, – but it, like I said, it'd be kind of – Kind of interesting, and it almost would make the NBA more exciting to someone like myself if you know these kind of teams coming out of nowhere, like the the Celtics, broke through occasionally without almost sort of like building a resume and mm-hmm. waiting till it's their turn. But again, I I don't want <laughs> you know it's, it's almost like my NBA conspiracy theories, and it, that is truly the only sport where it feels that mm-hmm. way to me. I uh, I don't want to. I don't want to impose that on your youthful exuberance. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that, Mike. <laughs> but the MLB is happening right now as well. And that's really the forgotten storyline before football started. But now that football's in full swing, uh, not seeing a lot of highlights of baseball or a lot of talk. I will say the Braves had a 29-run game last week. That was pretty outstanding considering they uh, were shut out the night before. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting sport to watch. Um, do, you, do you know who, who? I think the White Sox have the best record in baseball. Is that correct? Let me fact check you here. Yeah, please do. Because I, I look, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm not following a lot of baseball either, except sort of the the highlights at this point, which again kind of makes sense for basketball and baseball in some ways these are two sports that have really been over the last few years geared towards the playoffs and in fact the the championship series and it's sort of a slow build to these events and that's where those teams really take center stage and you know where they build their brands now the fact that they're doing this in a very crowded environment will make this make this interesting And, and let's be real this is a very crowded environment I think football is something that fans have really been waiting for. And while I said, you know, politics is sort of off the table a little bit or less less prominent this week, that presidential election is going to really gear up and it'll be interesting to see how much these teams can break through. Uh, you know, Pujols with 660th home run mm-hmm. yesterday. Think about how that that's a that's getting into history and it's Probably about the fourth story on the sports talk shows this morning. Absolutely. Um, so to, to piggyback off what you were saying earlier, the Dodgers have the best record in baseball. They're 33-14. and 14, But right there with them, Rays, White Sox, Twins all have 30 wins. So maybe not exactly how you would have predicted it for, for a team like the White Sox. Um, well, well I, not your... Not your, you know, if the NBA is playing a couple of iconic brands against each other, it's not your, uh, it's not your, let's say your storied franchises that are dominating the league this year. 
which you know can't help in a strange in a strange season yeah i mean i think cubs are top of their um you know top of the nl central with the cardinals right there and then of course mm-hmm. dodgers are doing really well so you got a couple mm-hmm. got a mix yeah you got a mix but football is america's obsession and we've got the nfl back my fantasy team by the way i got uh, cam newton as qb1 did not disappoint in week one i'm feeling like i may have gotten a steal in the later rounds yeah the the cam newton tom brady story and it's probably unfair to both those guys to say that this is a joint story but it is it in fact is is one of the sort of one of the more more highlighted or more uh, promoted storylines going into the going into the season. Brady had a little bit of a tough game uh, yesterday with oh, yeah. a couple of interceptions. Uh, the the Cam Newton the Cam Newton results of I, I think thirteen planned rushes or fifteen total rushes, gaining seventy five yards. I. I I love the the Cam Newton uh, Tom Brady story because it there's some fun analytics and some fun statistical principles behind the scenes. Um, well, I mean, what, what's your sort of impressions as a fan before I bore the folks with a little bit of statistical uh, lingo? Yeah, well, well coaching staff wise, um, I've loved the fit with Newton and New England from day one, and obviously I put my money where my mouth is with my my QB one selection in the fantasy football draft. Um, I think that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick do an excellent job of working around the limitations of the players that they have and the strengths of the players that they have. And I think we saw that with Brady for so many years. I've long been a believer that Tom Brady is especially at this point in his career, much more limited than he's made out to be. And I thought the Patriots coaching staff masked that very well. Um, I also think Cam Newton is an exceptional athlete. I mean, I think he's a LeBron caliber athlete um, and maybe not the best quarterback, but I think that that coaching staff is going to play to his strengths and avoid his weaknesses or mask them in the same way they did with Brady. Um, of course, I'm not saying Newton is is the caliber of quarterback that, that Tom Brady is, um, but I do think he's going to be successful in New England. On the flip side, and I started the Saints defense against the Bucks yesterday. I've long been a believer that um, Brady and Gronk and, and the Buccaneers hype has just been a little bit overblown. I think it's uh, fans have acted as if wherever Brady goes is instantly a Super Bowl favorite, as if he's LeBron James. Football uh, rarely works that way. Basketball, there's five guys on the floor at once. Uh, one player makes much less of a difference in football, but also Brady's nowhere near as close to his prime as, as LeBron James is. And so I've been skeptical about the Bucks. You know, I think they can win some games, but I, I don't view them as a contender until proven otherwise. Okay. So I think that's all fair. It's a good assessment uh, that as the analytics person in all this, I think it's a, it's a fascinating thing to play out and, and a couple of, on a couple of well, a bunch of things that are going on. So number one, this, and then this is more of a, a principle and sort of a guiding principle for when you're going to think about analytics and statistical uh, results in in terms of football. Is all the fans have well, they may not articu- articulate it directly. The you know the big question has been, was it Belichick or was it Brady? Right, right. 
And so that in statistical terms is a classic issue of identification. Are you able to identify the Brady effect versus the Belichick effect? And, you know, maybe you can look back in the day and go, oh, well, Brady was hurt and they plugged this player in. And suddenly that player became a a, a person of interest to the rest of the Matt, league and they were Matt signed Castle. away or traded away. Matt Castle. <laughs> exactly. And so in some ways we're getting to see an... A, a little bit of a almost a quasi experiment where we can maybe pull this a little bit apart and get to see who in fact was the driving the effect driving the patriots effect but and this is what's kind of great about fans with kind of this deep knowledge of sports and football it's even if you're not talking in statistical terms you're articulating kind of the key issues and so while we've got this experiment well it's only one game, so it's a small data problem. It's an anecdote versus mm-hmm. you know a, a robust data set. And number two, you immediately start to go to these kind of control variables. Well, Tom Brady is now what's what's he forty three at this point? Let me fact check. Uh-huh. You so here. Tom Brady is forty three or forty four or maybe, maybe he's fifty. You know, he's forty three. You know, he you're right. Cl- he's forty three. But but so he so this is you know there's a bunch of factors that are coming into play. Um, uh. In addition to this, you know, the you can almost imagine how quickly the story is going to turn where, oh, Brady's in Tampa and he's got Gronk. It's like the good old days. And now, well, Gronk was already retired. You, you can start to see people like parsing it, it back. So it's, it's kind of an interesting analytics question. And I, I think it's great when when someone like yourself coming up more from the fans perspective that you immediately list a bunch of caveats or things that make it hard to really dig into the data. and why we love sports and why opinion and intuition is so important, even though, you know, analytics is growing in prominence. The other thing that I thought was great was running the ball 13 times with, with Cam Newton. So Belichick is definitely adapting, but I think that anyone seeing that kind of number is immediately going to go to the place of, well, how long is this going to last? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be sustainable? Can he r- make that many rushes at this point in the career? And and then finally, you know, the, the other aspect of it is I think we all want to see Cam Newton succeed because he wore a yellow suit with a hat that seemed to be <laughs> about two sizes too big, even for a guy that, I mean, what, what is Newton? 6'5", 240 pounds? 6'6". Six, six. I and mean, that, that had to be an enormous hat. Yeah, Cam Newton, he's got a little Dennis Rodman to him. Uh, always, always, you know, dressing in ways that bring attention to himself um, as if he's not one of the, <laughs> the better athletes uh, in college football history and in the NFL, um, at least at one point in time he was. As far as the design runs are concerned, I will say this. There, there's clearly a, an inherent risk in running your quarterback. Cam Newton is built like an absolute tank. That dude, he had a car accident a few years back where his car flipped like three times. He came out unscathed. Um, and I remember watching him in the SEC, and he ran it every other play just about and was taking a beating. And it was just like he's he was unbreakable. Of course, he's older now. Um, but I, honestly, he may not be as valuable as he was earlier in his career um, where the goal was to protect him so much. And so I feel like, it's like when you have an older car 
and you used to if you have a nicer car you might park it like in the end of the parking lot away from all the other cars so that it doesn't even come close and as it gets older it's like eh, might as well park it with you know neck right next to or right in a tight spot where someone might dent it <laughs> that's cam newton right now in my opinion well and look that is a that that's a great insight in terms of how the modern nfl works and in terms of how probably any sport that has a salary cap and a structure that pays, well, you know, in general pays rookies less, but pays, you know, players like Cam Newton that are basically, well, I mean, what, a couple million dollars or a million dollars this year with um, a lot of incentives, that it, it does potentially change how you manage players, where uh, Mahomes is being parked you know, maybe you're not even taking the Mahomes car out, right? You're leaving that in the garage and you're taking an, an Uber wherever you want to go. No design runs for him. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, I uh, well, well, but ultra, ultra protected yeah. because of the because of the investment. Mm-hmm. And and look, that is absolutely part of the analytics package that is almost always neglected, at least in terms of how analytics are portrayed during um let's say during the fan portion of the sport you know what the analysts are talking about uh but i guarantee you within a front office those type of investment and salary considerations are absolutely are absolutely massive and and you're right if you don't you're not sort of hung out to having a lot of dollars on salary cap devoted to cam newton for years you can potentially manage that player very differently yeah and i feel like for cam newton it feels like there's nothing to lose um, he was already kind of considered washed up past his prime. And so to go back and, and get back to what makes him unique in his running ability and his size um, and combine that with a passing game that, that plays more to his strengths, to his his arm strength and to, you know, just, I mean, Tom Brady was just making quick reads, short passes the last couple of years, minimizing turnovers. I think uh, Cam Newton's fully capable of those types of uh, or that type of offense, and then throw, add in the running element, something that Brady couldn't do. Um, and now it feels like New England's, you know, has some some new life, and it'll be interesting to to keep up with the parallel between them and or or yeah. maybe not parallel. Uh, we'll see how the Bucks and and you know New England continue or what trajectories they continue on. Absolutely, and you know it will, it will really depend. I mean, especially if one of those if one of those teams does well and the others go south, they will that will be a, a talking point throughout the entire season. Okay, the other um, well, a bunch of bunch of analytics related topics, but one of the sort of classic ones is, and I heard a lot of talk on the morning, a lot of discussion on the morning talk shows about the decision of whether or not to go for a field goal. Um, when it's fourth and I think the exact scenario for Dallas was fourth and three on the 10 or 11 yard line and Dallas decided to go for it. And he's um, the, the Dallas team coaching staff is getting lit up a little bit in terms of, Oh, you got to go for the field. Well, they were down by three, right? So uh, I, I, I don't, re- you know, <laughs> you know, here's one of the problems about sort of recapping all of the NFL. There's so many games and oh, there's yeah. so much going on that the details the details escape me, and maybe as the analytics guy, I just focus in and like, hey, here's a question, right? Yeah. Um, so to me, down three there, 
you know, if, if you get the fourth down conversion, uh, you go up and then you score a touchdown, you go up four. So you, you potentially win in regulation or you can tie the game. I don't know. I mean, th- those decisions are tough. Clearly, uh, that's where analytics can really benefit a team. I know I saw in that first game the Kansas City Chiefs go for it on fourth and short uh, within their own uh, side of the field. I mean, I believe they were close to the 30-yard line. Um, and they did it like it was nothing and they got it. And uh, and people were praising Andy Reid you know, for, for doing that because they're like, yeah, most of the time you're going to get that. But if he hadn't gotten it, he would be a bozo, <laughs> in the words of somebody out there. But um, the Falcons yesterday went for it four times, I think, and you know it's believed to be what cost them the game. And I think I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a topic for, till the end of time whether to go for it or not. Just, I mean, it's up there with with all the other classic decision, you know, in game decision making that we talked about in Fanalytics. You, well, it's great, and uh, I'm thinking about the one because I was literally just you know just watching it uh, about an hour ago is Rex Ryan talking about it and basically doing the kind of the old school, the old school approach of throwing up their hands saying, "Oh God, analytics, analytics are just they don't make any sense." And it's yeah. So so I love these I, I love these stories because when you decompose what's happening, Rex Ryan is actually arguing about. He's arguing against math. Right. Right. And, and I don't think he even realizes that he's arguing about math. And in some ways, the analytics are not, you know, Rex Ryan has opinions. The analytics are just, they're, they're just kind of the facts, right? The, we were taught, we've talked, um, you know, for those of you that listen consistently, we talk a lot about things like decision making. Maybe the classic decision is do you do the sacrifice bunt? Um, in the terms of some of the stuff we've been talking about with basketball, the value of a possession is is a key concept. All of these things boil down to a relatively simple principle, and that's that you either make a decision to do something, <clears throat> bunt the ball, kick the field goal, punt the ball, um, what whatever it is, you make a decision to do that, and then how does reality play out? And so in the case of a field goal or going for it, if you go for it, this boils down to what's the probability that you're going to get that first down or you're going to score, right, versus going for it on fourth that the ball is turned over and the other team takes control. So it it boils down to, again, this value of possession or the value of what's going to happen after the decision. So for the coaches using the analytics, they're relying on this kind of basic mathematical principles of what's the best expected value from doing X or not doing X. Uh, for the guys like Rex Ryan, it's great because they they almost have an intuitive feel for what might be wrong with using analytics, but they may lack the background to articulate it. And so they're just going to rely on almost throwing up their hands and saying analytics analytics don't matter. Uh, Ryan did make the point when he was arguing about it that Dallas was 0-3 on, I don't know, third downs or fourth downs. And, and so one of the things that's not taking into account in those decisions is, well, how well is your team playing? Who are your, your personnel? But it's a, it, it, like I said, it, it, from my perspective, it is one of the great things to watch. And I, I love when the analysts 
argue against math. I mean, there are ways to do it, but I, I will always applaud the passion of arguing against statistical relationships. <laughs> Absolutely. I think in football, um, it, it seems like analytics, if, if you base your decision-making purely off analytics, you're going to actually end up being more aggressive than intuition would have you be. Uh, going forward on f- yeah never never punt always go for, yeah. go for it on fourth down uh yeah. two point conversion instead of extra point mm-hmm. and football coaches are by nature uh many of them are, are very conservative uh the formula is often to not turn the ball over um to play good defense and to kind of take what's given to you and so to to go for it in these situations and risk it all it it can go against the nature of a lot of these coaches it can rub some people the wrong way and of course the decision is based on a probability Uh, within that probability inherently there's a possibility that it's not going to work and in the cases when it doesn't people like to dismiss the entire concept of of using these probabilities good and I, i think what's really great about that is you use the phrase risking it all because I think that's what that's sort of the bottom line on this. And so if you make the conservative decision, you punt the ball or you kick the field goal, it's just the conservative decision, right? But you go for it on fourth down from your 40-yard line or you go for it on the 10-yard the line, and suddenly you've gone from this conservative decision that is not, it's basically lost, lost to time, Versus something that now they spend 10, 10 minutes talking about on TV and half an hour talking about on your local sports radio. And suddenly now you're risking your, your decision making and your judgment becomes questioned. And that's, you know, that's going down the path of losing your job potentially. So it, it literally does become the analytics might be correct. But maybe you are, you know, your personal risk is really dramatic. Mm-hmm. So acting acting in one's own self-interest may not be the same as acting in the team's mm-hmm. self-interest in that case. Well, and I, and I don't think it's that calculated, but I do think that that's probably what it basically well, boils down to, down to right? right? Is like that, uh, you know, the, the trepidation of going down that path and making the risky decision. Because, look, the analytics may say go one direction, but... Even if you're not thinking consciously about the potential downside to your reputation in your career, you've been playing this game and coaching this game at this level. These guys have been involved in the game for 30, 40 years, 50 years, and you're also asking them to violate kind of the, the standard convention of what do you do, fourth down, when you, throw, you send the punt team out there, right? So it's a, it's a tough one to overcome. And and again, I think in this instance, it's like the analytics are probably not the thing that should dictate the decision. You know, you shouldn't be looking at a chart and saying, okay, do, you know, okay, we're we're at this field position, let's send in the, the field goal kicker, or let's not send in the field goal kicker. But it's something that should be, the coach should be made aware of, so they can add that to their decision making and perhaps think about things with a with a fresh perspective. Absolutely. So... Uh, a few other NFL things uh, that that went down yesterday. Of course, the Lions lost a heartbreaker to the Bears. 
in, in a game which I just would rather not discuss purely out of my affection for DeAndre Swift and, and Matthew Stafford for the Lions there. But what about the story of redemption? <laughs> we're we're waiting. <laughs> the Bears have a young quarterback who has struggled. Trubisky, I know. The story Chicago Bears. Yeah, well, redemption, you know, they I guess <laughs> Trubisky and the Bears had that yesterday. The Washington football team uh came back from 17 down and won 27 to 17 over the Philadelphia Eagles in a shocking turn of events. So something good for Washington football fans. What did what do you think of that? Uh, what did you think of the look for the Washington football team? I kind of I'm going to admit I kind of liked it. I honestly, I you know the one thing that bothers I don't like the yellow number on the helmet. I almost would rather it be white <laughs> or something. It just I don't know. It's a little much. But the uniforms, I kind you know I think they should just stick with what they have right now. The Washington football team and I, just be like a old school like no nonsense. We just play football. We don't do the branding and logo. <laughs> so I feel like that could be their brand. A hundred percent minimalist. WDCFT, right? I mean, how great would that be? That you know, sort of the soccer kind of, of approach to this. I, I love it. I think it might be the right play at this point. <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, no idea what to expect. The other. Almost storyline was Joe Burrow, a quarterback who I think has GOAT potential, um, took his team down the field at the end of the game against the Chargers um, and almost had a game-winning drive on his, his first game, had an A.J. Green touchdown called back because of a penalty, and then the kicker missed a 33-yard field goal. So he's going to learn what it means to be a Cincinnati Bengal early on and, and how much difficult it is to win football games. But uh, I think he's one to keep an eye on. A- absolutely. And uh, I, you know, we all have our sort of, we, we all come to our sports with our perspectives or call them biases. I, you know, you, you allude to the fact that it seems like if you're drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals or the Cleveland Browns, that somehow you're, your career is going to be more difficult than if you're drafted by the Patriots, Steelers, or Cowboys. Or well, though, I guess if you're drafted by the Cowboys, you get a ton of unfortunate media attention throughout of it. Uh, but you know, absolutely, the Burroughs is an the, the NFL seems to be really driven by quarterback stories yep. this this year in particular, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot there. There's some. Pretend, you know, really old dudes, and there's some really young dudes, and this is this is probably going to be the the best position to watch this year. Absolutely, um, I'll say this as as far as being drafted by a certain team and what that means for your legacy as a quarterback. Uh, and, and I mentioned Burrow, in my opinion, having goat potential. I was talking to a. a football fan yesterday about that and they said he'll and I was saying I think he could have I think he could be better than Tom Brady uh, which is a hot take but I said it and this person said he won't be and it's not because he's not better it's because he doesn't have Bill Belichick it's because he didn't get drafted by the Patriots Tom Brady inherited a championship team already um, and for a quarterback most of these elite quarterbacks go to awful teams we saw it with Andrew Luck Saw Matthew Stafford. I mean, we see it every every season, and it's it's difficult to have a championship um, in your career when the team is starting from scratch, and you're really the only super valuable piece going into it. As Joe Burrow is, there's less mobility in the NFL for whatever reason. Um, 
and, you know, in the NBA, players like this, players like Giannis, players like LeBron will go to a team and then leave and go find a championship team. For some reason, uh, that that doesn't happen as often in the NFL, player like Drew Brees being the exception. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with Burrow, but I also think it's just an interesting discussion uh, with, with Brady is if he hadn't inherited a team like the Patriots, you know, would, would he be looked at the same or could, could Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford or whatever NFL quarterback have, you know, taken over that same team and won the same amount of championships. Yeah. And let me, let me say something, but I'll keep it, I'll keep it quite kind of short because it's not, it's a topic that I want to actually spend. And we haven't talked about this, but there's, there's some research that I'm involved in on the sort of behind the scenes that, right. I think we will be trying to do develop a special edition of Fanalytics on, similar to those of you ta- who've had a chance to give a listen to our NBA efficiency, uh, a relatively deep dive into NFL passer mm-hmm. and quarterback statistics. Uh, what I want to, what we're going to do with that is, well, if you if you look at passer statistics and quarterback statistics and really almost anything in a team game one of the things that tends to be missing is the level of support okay and so one of the other breakthrough stories was kyler murray yesterday and kyler murray perhaps the thing that is taking kyler murray to the next level is well what or let me say who this is a quiz doug deandre hopkins Okay, and so very often we give individuals credit for the results of the team. And so one of the things I'm working on is some adjustments to quarterback statistics. And like I said, I I didn't actually mean to preview it, but it's something to look for that I think will probably be out there within a month or two. But I think this is a this is really a powerful idea and really an important topic in in the NFL and really any you know baseball is where so much analytics happens is very kind of an individual discrete game in the NFL part of the problem with analytics is there's such a significant team component so I'll right. I'll sort of just put that out there as something for you guys to look forward to that will probably get out there in the middle of the NFL season okay Doug so to Let's say to wrap things up this week, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what's ahead. So number one, and we will release this podcast on the morning of the 15th. Later that morning, we are doing a webinar with Mr. Todd Harris, who is the CEO of Skillshot Productions. So it's a little bit different for maybe a lot of our, our listeners, but Todd is especially in the Atlanta area, and that's just re- relevant because of how much he thinks about community, but he is a leader in the esports industry. Uh, Skillshot helps video game companies put on esports tournaments. Esports has been the most rapidly, the fastest growing segment of sports, of the sports industry, for probably the last five to ten years. So this is something that is really coming, and while traditional sports fans might not be actively involved in that, it is something you probably want to be aware of because it's something that is going to be of increasing importance, both, uh, well, and especially on the on the business side of things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 
The world of sports is a lot about business, sponsorship, fans. Esports is a beautiful laboratory for looking at how those types of systems, how how fandom works, how sponsorship works. Uh, we will put a link to the webinar uh, along with uh, the podcast. Sounds good, Mike. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. One last word from me, uh, and this, you know. No, no, you know what? Let me let me do this one. Let me at least introduce this one. So the other thing that we want to put a big, you know, a big look for it out here is the return of Doug's podcast focused on Georgia <laughs> Bulldog football. <laughs> I, I, I think of this as absolutely part, you know, I, I want to be incredibly, you know, I want to support this all out. When I think about what we do here, we're taking an analytic slant to the world of sports. That's, you know, that that's one way to view it this. I think what you do, Doug, is great in terms of really kind of the, the, the pureness, the passion, the emphasis on the community. So tell us about the podcast. Well, Mike, first off, I you didn't have to do that. And that's actually not where I was going with my last word. Um, but since you ask, uh, yeah, the podcast is uh, Savage Pads Podcast. The name comes from the Savage Pads, the uh, celebratory prop that the players put on when a turnover occurs. Um, for those of you that don't know already, that that was adopted from a fan tradition of this student group called the Spike Squad that wears these ridiculous spike shoulder pads in the crowd. I was one of those students not too long ago. Um, and so the Savage Pads podcast is, is aimed to kind of connect the fans with the players in the same way that those pads do or the, or the players kind of adopted them from the fans. Um, so every week I, I typically host um, some former players. Last year we had quite a few NFL guys, uh, McCall Hardman, Benjamin Watson, Thomas Davis, um, as well as former coaches such as Vince Dooley. Talk Georgia football, um, pretty laid back, you know, kind of kind of discussion on what's going on, uh, some, some fan discussion as to uh, opinions, things of that nature. We have some fans on there. And uh, it's, it's a really fun part of football season for me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, Dog Nation, uh, Georgia fan base is – an excellent fan base and it's really fun to kind of be a part and to kind of feed into their their passion for georgia football awesome so look for that guys and last word who are you rooting for this week doug is it time for go dogs or not just yet <laughs> we got one more week for go dogs but um i know you're go clip go clippers i right now i'm trying to think i'm gonna say go giants giants got monday night football. I, I, night. i'm not saying uh go clips i mean uh, that's a big thing i'm gonna say Go Big Ten officials, make a decision.